0: Hey, church, today you have the privilege to hear my friend Adam Donier share the word of God with you. Adam is not only a friend over the last couple of years, he is the founder and the president of Link Year, which is a flagship ministry for Kanakuk Ministries. He leads the notorious K2 camps at Kanakuk, and he's the right hand man to Joe White. Put your hands together and welcome my friend Adam Donier to the stage. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good morning. God is good. Amen. All the time. I'm so excited to be here. I love Pastor Alex. I've just gotten to know, like he said, the last couple years. What a mighty man of God you guys get to follow. What a blessing. For those of you that don't know where Canna Camps is, it's located in Branson, Missouri, also known as Hillbilly Vegas. (laughs) If you ever come visit, don't get confused by our many roundabouts. I've seen some Oklahomians get in there and just go round and round and round. They think they're a NASCAR. It's just you got to get in and out. That's it. That's all you got to do. I promise. No, I'm so excited to be here. Let me, let me tell you just a little bit about myself and the, and the family I left behind to come spend Sunday with you guys, which I was so excited about. Here's a picture of my beautiful family, minus me. We won't put me in the beautiful part. But those are my two boys, Aiden and Anders, five and two and a half. I'll tell you more about Aiden in a little bit. And that is my beautiful wife, who I definitely outkicked my coverage with. I'm madly in love with her. She's smoking hot. She's awesome. I miss her. I love her. I'll be back today, baby. And so uh, we come from opposite ends of the spectrum, literally. She grew up in the South. She's a Southern Belle. I grew up in San Diego on the West Coast. She grew up in a strong Christian home. I grew up in a broken home. She grew up in the church. I grew up in a drug problem. That's right. Grandma drugged me to church every Sunday. As a matter of fact, it was this church right here called Santa Sophia Catholic Church. And so I would walk into church every Sunday. And this is the exact same picture of the church. And so I would go through the liturgy and the repetition and the ritual. But for my whole life going through being drugged to church by grandma, I never really grasped what it meant to have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. No, 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 That doesn't mean Catholics don't have a per- That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for me personally, I never grasped what it meant to have a personal and intimate relationship with Christ. Matter of fact, I worshipped a round orange ball growing up in San Diego. That ball was called basketball. And the more people told me, right, unlike my wife's family, once again, we're opposite. I'm vertically challenged. Her dad's 6'4". The more people told me not to play basketball, the more I wanted to play basketball to prove people wrong. That's just my personality. I'm hard headed and I'm a knucklehead. It takes me a long time to figure things out. I'm slow. Okay, so I kept pushing after this basketball. And in a lot of ways, it was an idolatrous passion. And so, but it also saved me from so many other ills. And I was convinced I was going to play Division I basketball. That was my goal. That was my dream. Well, eventually that dream came true. I went to Boise State University, where I was a walk on for the first couple years, and I was a part of the BWP. For those of you that don't know what BWP is, that simply stands for Bench Warmer Posse, baby. You better believe it. As a matter of fact, my last college basketball game and last recorded minutes as an NCAA player or right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa University used to host the WAC tournament at the time Boise state was in the WAC. So we'd always beg coach, coach, we want to go to Elmer's it be, be it bad barbecue. And that just doesn't sit well and play at the same time. We weren't thinking, we weren't worried about that, but that barbecue was good. Right? So I go off to Boise State and for my first two years, I am a pagan living for myself and chasing girls and not following Jesus and no idea. Had this idea of him, remember, on a cross, but a resurrected personal relationship with me that never sat in very well. And so being on the BWP, you don't pay much attention to the game. Because you know you're never going to get in. Sometimes I didn't even wear my jersey underneath my warm-up because I knew I wasn't getting in. I was like, not going to get it sweaty. You don't have to wash it, Rahul, right? So I would sit, and I would just check out all the beautiful girls that would walk in to the game, right? Well, one time a gymnast walks in that I n- didn't know, and so I knew she had to be a freshman. So I nudged my teammate who's a freshman. I'm like, bro, who is that? You don't have a chance. I was like, pfft. Remember, I was prideful, Eric, still prideful, but I mean, I was at the peak of my pridefulness without Jesus here in my sophomore year of college. I said, what do you mean I don't have a chance? He said, bro, she's a Christian. I'm like, man, I'm a Christian. He's like, no, no, like she's a real Christian. Like she's never even kissed anybody. Pfft, you don't make it to college without kissing somebody. He's like, no, nah, bro, like she's sold out. Like she believes in God. And I said, I'll bet you by the end of this year, I kiss her. But what I little did I know is that my teammate would throw me under the bus and go tell her about the wager we made. <laughs> Punk. Well, we go to an athletic function after the game that night. We'll just call it that. It's a lot of red solo cups with juice and Kool-Aid of the likes in there. And so we're hanging out at this athletic function. Sure enough, she's there. And, I go up to her and I just say, Hey, you want to go out tomorrow night? She's like, Nope, before I could even get the words out of my mouth. It was a cold, hard no. I was like, What? Yep, made a commitment to the Lord. I'm not gonna date my freshman year. In my head, I'm thinking, that is the dumbest commitment ever. Then the other part of my head is awesome. This is gonna be a challenge, guys. Love challenges. We love hard to get, this is awesome. And this girl understood she was a treasure, and treasures don't do the hunting, they're hunted for. The greater the treasure, the harder it is to find. Hear me, ladies. Treasures don't do the hunting, they're hunted for. Amen? This girl understood that it's like, man, so now I had to do some recon because she just shot me down. And so I asked my freshman teammate when she had classes, because I had classes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I never saw on campus. She had most of her classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I did what anybody who didn't have classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays would do trying to win over a girl. I put on my backpack, act like I did have classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays and figured out what time she would be crossing the quad at what time. Thanks to the recon of my teammate. Sure enough, I catch her in the quad on a Tuesday, ask her out a second time. She turns me down faster than I can even ask again. I'm like, she's like, I'm telling you, I'm not dating anyone this semester. You don't have a chance. It's like, golly, yes, I do. I just gotta be persistent. Persistent wins the day. I can do this. So on Thursday, same thing, she tells me no, shoots me down. And right after that, I walk into the student union building and I see this sign that says free tickets. I'm a cheapskate, I'm a poor college student, but free tickets to what? Awesome, this is my way in. I grab the tickets and it says, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Awesome. It's at a church. That girl's all into the church somehow, somewhat. I don't know what she's into, but this is going to work. So I grab these tickets. I go up to her again. I say, hey, will you go to this church? Play with me. She kind of looks at these tickets. Like, sure. I like, yeah. I'm in. That's all I needed. My foot's in the door. And so I had no idea what Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames was about. No clue. All I know is that God will get our attention in whatever way he needs to get our attention. Amen. And you know, I was extremely distracted with girls. And so I pick her up. We go to this church and, and we walk in there and we sit down and all of a sudden this drama just starts unfolding. And it's all these different scenarios of people living in different sinful lifestyles. And the only outcome for the people was one or two outcomes. Right. One outcome was if they repented, they would show this huge vintage Jesus coming out from the stage and all the angels singing hallelujah, hallelujah. But it didn't matter how sinful or what the sinner had committed, as long as they repented and asked Jesus to be the Lord of their life, they came and running into Jesus' hands and these angels are sitting in there in the choir and I'm just sitting here and watching like, man, they need some work on their costumes, right? Not sinking in yet. And, and all of a sudden, so all the lights go on the angels when 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 the Jesus comes out, but when there's other scenarios that you don't see them, but these angels are standing up in the choir, the entire two hour production, right? So one angel's just lock leg the whole time. And so when the lights are off, all of a sudden out of nowhere, you're so one of the angels passed out. So I'm sitting here having no idea about Jesus. and I'm like, oh girl did not repent my theology is jacked up, right? So I'm just sitting here. Oh my goodness. Now I'm starting to squirm in my seat. Here I am on my first day and my thoughts of kissing her have gone way out the window. All I'm thinking about is I got a lot of junk in my life. I haven't dealt with. Sure enough, some of my junk shows up on stage and the Illustration of a drama, and this guy doesn't repent, and this guy shows up in this crazy costume where there's just like this trap door in the stage, and the store flaps open, and there's like paper mache orange blown by the fans on the side of the stage, and they start screaming out, weeping and gnashing, and he drags them down underneath the stage, and now I'm sitting in my chair again, like, oh snap. I'm scared. I'm like, oh my gosh, my life, I'm going to end up underneath that stage. Well, I need to figure something out. So, so at the end of Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flame, they do an altar call. This is October of 2000. Remember it to the day. And so I go forward, snot bubbles coming out of my nose, eyes just tearing down my face. First date with this crew, girl bawling my eyes out. They take me back, give me a Bible. We're driving back after the day. And she's like, I thought you were a Christian. (laughs) So did I. Right. We stay friends. We never get in a serious relationship. And then she ends up coordinating me with a guy named Innocent Egbenuke, who ends up mentoring me the rest of my college career. It was fascinating. I just started growing in my relationship. It never looked the same sense. But but that night, what I had realized is Jesus was a savior to me, not necessarily Lord of my life, which we'll get into here in a moment. But all my life, I had been living for the name on the back of my jersey. I wanted to make my name great. And if we're to be honest with ourselves, the church at, we got caught up in that a little bit. You you live in a world that is thriving to make your name great. Think about social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever the case may be, about making our names great. Or or it could be simple as you you are a CEO or a CFO of a company and and you're trying to make your castle great. And you're trying to build this castle and you're going like crazy. Or or you're a stay-at-home mom, which is beautiful, according to Proverbs 31. Or maybe you're just a buster or a builder or whatever your generation may be. Or maybe you're a millennial, right? Which, by the way, millennials, I was really worried about you the last couple weeks with all these crazy storms coming through. I didn't want you to get taken out by the storms. And then I realized, wait, 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 they'll be okay. They live in their parents' basements anyways. (laughs) And and, and so maybe maybe you're just a barista or, or maybe, maybe you're a student, right? Some, some of you might be students in here. Some, maybe you're a child of your parents or, or maybe we, we, we give names to everything, right? So child, student, uh, what else? Maybe, maybe some of you in here are, are divorcee and you, and you identified with that, which you don't need to. And you've gone through a difficult divorce or we, we put labels and, and names on everything And so we get so caught up in how great can our name be Like culture sucks us into this. And and I'm I'm here to tell you, I wouldn't be worried about making your name great. It's an endless chase that ends up vain and empty. think about this reality. Hitler had millions of followers. Jesus had 12. Yet we're consumed with the amount of followers we have on social media or whatever the case may be. I mean, it's crazy. And so, so we live our lives trying to make our names great. or identifying with the fact I'm a CEO, I'm a founder, I'm a president, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm a student, I'm a whatever it may be. I'm in ministry. And we put our names to these names when in reality those names will all fade. Think about this. How many of you in here or watching can tell me the name of your great, great grandparents? First and last name. Probably less than 5% of you. That's your own family. That's your own blood. And you can't even tell me their first and last name. Yet we're living to make our names great. You see how backwards this is? You you see, but there's a name above every name. So if you have your Bibles, do me a favor. Open them up to Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 11 and following. Let me give you a little context here to, to Philippians. Uh, Philippians 1, all, all of Paul's letters, right, are, are meant to encourage and spur on. And same with this church of the Philippi. So in chapter 1, he, he's encouraging them. In verse 3, he says, I thank God every time in remembrance of you. What an encouraging statement. In verse 6, he says, be confident this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And in verse 21, he says, to live as Christ Make that name great, and to die is gain. To die to yourself, to die to trying to elevate your own name. That, that's gain. And then he gets into Philippians chapter 2, and it says this. So if, but, but we know from the Koine Greek here that the word if is actually since. So you can fill that in there and say this instead. So since there is encouragement in Christ, and comfort from love, and participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy complete my joy. So Jesus is quickly identifying, or Paul. I'm sorry, is quickly identifying that our joy is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Late President Theodore Roosevelt said this comparison is the thief of joy. So I did some research with World Magazine this last year. We've been studying 13 to 21 year olds. And so in 2013, we saw a huge launch in social media, specifically Snapchat and Instagram. And what they found, and even though they're not calling it a direct correlation right now, I'll go ahead and make this assessment. They're found that there's this huge climb going on with Snapchat, Instagram users, and then also higher in the history of humanity, we're seeing teenage suicide rates, anxiety, and depression. And so they're seeing a synonymous incline in the use of social media and, and with, with the amount of suicide. Comparison is the thief of joy. So what happens is we sit back and look for our joy and our approval to be found in what other people think of our name rather than what Christ has already said about us. Right. We compare our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. I've, very, I've met very few people that have spent time on social media that have felt alive and joyful after doing so. And so Paul's alluding to the fact that hey, perhaps you find your complete joy in Christ and not in what the world thinks of you. Perhaps we would find our identity in the word rather than in the world. Right. A great friend of mine, Steve Ferrar, said, spend time reading and receiving the truth every morning because the world will only lie to you the rest of the day. Hmm. Continuing on by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, there's that big H word. But in humility, you realize none of us will ever graduate from this idea of humility. None of you is like, hey, here, Adam, sign my book on humility and how I achieved it. Right? Like none of us ever achieve humility. As a matter of fact, the opposite or the antonym to humility we know is pride. And pride is what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. Pride is what got Adam and Eve in the mess to begin with. Pride is what you and I struggle with every day. C.S. Lewis suggests that pride is the fertile soil from which every other sin flows and grows. Pride is a beast. And Paul is saying here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know what's crazy is nowhere in Scripture do you see Paul, James, Peter, Moses, any of these men pray for humility. Rather, it's a command. First Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Right. Going back to trying to make your name great. God says, humble yourself. Therefore, he may lift you up. James 4, 8. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's amazing when you look out through scripture and how God used different people and why he used them. It had nothing to do with how much they were trying to elevate their name. It had to do everything with how much they were trying to elevate his name. Moses couldn't speak very well. Gideon doubted. Right. Jonah ran from God. David was a murderer, an adulterer, and a conspirator. Abraham was a liar. Noah got drunk. Peter had a big mouth. Paul was impulsive. Lazarus was dead. Rahab was a prostitute. Balaam's donkey was a donkey. There's another name for that. My point is that God can use you even if he can use a donkey. But it wasn't the people that thought they could be used by God. And here I am, God. Why aren't you using me? I'm awesome. It was the people that humbled themselves. Therefore, under his mighty hand, that he may lift them up in due time. And you know why I don't think ever in Scripture, do we see Paul, James, Peter, any of the apostles, or any of the Old Testament writers pray for humility? Because they had a clear understanding of God. is. So my prayer is not that you would be humble. My prayer is that you have a better, deeper understanding of who Jesus is and who we're not, and how desperate will you need him. And that in and of itself will cultivate humility in our lives. Amen? Keep reading with me. And, and he says, but also to the interest of others. You, you ever wonder why Jesus in the greatest commandment said, Love your neighbor as yourself? He, he knew that you and I would never have a problem with loving ourselves, didn't he? Selfie generation, right? We love ourselves, baby. Heck yeah. Make sure girls, I, I've noticed this a lot with girls too. It's like, hey, is this my right side? And, and girls, I found out, my wife told me they do the chicken wing because they don't want their arm to look fat, right? So there's the chicken wing pose. and. And this is my good side. We, we, we are in love with ourselves. This is a selfie generation. But Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself because he knew we would always think about ourselves. And he, Paul goes on to say, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. For those of you that already have a personal relationship with Christ, he gave you this mind. You have this mind. It's walking in that mind rather than in the flesh. Who, though he was in the form of God, if there was one person that could have elevated his name, this was that person. This was it. It was Jesus. And so did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He did this willingly for you and I. He humbled himself. He, he did the opposite of exalting his name, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above Every name, C.T. Stud said this, this too shall pass. Only that which is done for Christ will last. What castle are you building? What idol are you chasing that I promise you won't last? What name are you trying to build that is a rat race that will exhaust you and leave you heavy laden and weary? Right. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth. Earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you realize that for some of us, this posture is going to be completely comfortable and normal? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. For others, this posture is going to be terrifying because it's going to be an unwilling posture. It's not going to be a natural posture. It's not going to be a posture they were used to in their time here on earth. But Paul suggests, and he says it again in Romans 14, he's actually quoting it from Isaiah, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and that his name is above all names. And so for me, when I found out who Jesus was my sophomore year of college, he was really just the idea of a savior, right? I love to get out of hell free card, but I wasn't ready to make him Lord of my life. There were still a lot of things I was chasing. Perhaps you have a hundred rooms in your life that makes you up. And you will say, okay, Jesus, come into these 99 rooms, but I'm going to hold on to this 100. That's the exact room that Jesus wanted in my life. And he kept knocking on that door. And finally, I said, okay, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Because so often we say, hey, I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. What a lot of times we mean is I want the Savior. I definitely don't want to go to that lake of fire forever. But to make you Lord of my life, to live for you, to live for your name, to exalt your name and not my own. I don't know. That's difficult. But you know what I discovered? I discovered that Jesus is so much more than a Lord and Savior. You go through the alphabet talking about who Jesus is, right? He's the advocate. He's the almighty. He's the amen. He's the anchor. He's the author and finisher of your faith. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the bright morning star, the bread of life, the branch, the bridegroom, the beloved, the chief cornerstone, the carpenter, the day spring, the door. The everlasting father, the faithful and true witness, the good shepherd, the high priest, the holy one, the I am, the image of the invisible God, the Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's the judge. He's the king of Jews. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the light of the world. He's the living water. He's the master. He's the messiah. He's the man of sorrows. There's no other like him. He's the only begotten son. He's the prince of peace. He's the prophet. He's quick to serve, quick to love, and quick to forgive. He's the rock. He's the root of David, the rose of Sharon, the resurrection and the life. He's your savior. He's the shepherd and bishop of souls. He's the Shiloh. He's what makes summer of a lifetime passive, possible. He's a teacher. He's the true vine. He's unconditional love. He's undescribable. He's victory over death. John 14, 6 says, He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one shall come to the Father except through Him. He's the X factor in our faith. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's Zion's precious cornerstone. He's the doorway to deliverance. He's the highway to holiness. He's the pathway to peace. He's the joy to journey, or the the journey to joy. There's no other like Him. He's so much more than just the Lord and Savior. And then the Old Testament talks about perhaps Jesus showed up in the Old Testament, which they call theophanies, and they had a different name for Jesus in the Old Testament. It was Jehovah. As a matter of fact, he was Jehovah Jireh, which Jehovah Jireh means he was the Lord your provider. So I don't know how you're going to get your next paycheck. I know he'll provide. My first two years of marriage, my wife and I had no idea where the next paycheck was going to come from. We lived for a Christian school that was struggling with some finances. We go months at a time where they weren't even able to pay us. We would pray. Psalm 37, 25. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor have I seen his children bake for bread. Jehovah Jireh. He is faithful to provide. Not what we want, brand new Beamers and iPhones, but what we need. He is faithful. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Mekadishkum, which means he's the Lord who sanctifies. He's our sanctifier. Both Hebrews 12 and Proverbs 3 suggest that God sanctifies those he loves. He disciplines those he loves. Maybe you're going through a really difficult season right now. Maybe life is hard. Maybe you're going through a divorce, maybe your kids won't listen to a thing you say, maybe you're going through the teenage years, maybe you're having a tough time at work, maybe you just got laid off. maybe your mom or dad's battling cancer. Maybe there's something really difficult in your life. Perhaps God loves you so much that he is even using this difficult season in your life to shape you more into his son, because he's got an amazing work in store for you. He sanctifies us, not because he's mad at us and not because he's angry, it's because he loves us. What father does not discipline his son whom he loves? He's Jehovah Nisi, which means he's the Lord, our banner, which you can wave your OU Boomer Sooner banner. You can wear your Golden Hurricane banner. You can wave your Chicago Cubs banner. You can wave your Oklahoma State Cowboys banner. You can wave all these banners all you want. But at the end of the day, there's going to be one banner in in the Mount of Mount Zion, and that's going to be the banner of Jesus. And he's the banner we wave to the the Jesus as, as we as we tweet and we post and we Facebook and everything else. There is one name that will be waving high above all else. That's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. He's Jehovah Ra. Which means he's the Lord, our shepherd. I don't care if you're President Trump. I don't care if you're crazy man Kim. I don't, I don't care how great or how powerful you think you are. Jehovah Ra means he is a shepherd and everyone is sheep in desperate need of a shepherd. Everyone is a sheep. And the last time I checked sheep are pretty stupid. I'm a pretty dumb sheep in desperate need of a shepherd. Every single day of my life, I will get lost. I won't find my way home. Jesus is my Ra, my Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd who helps me lie down in green pastures, who rescues me from the wolves and the enemies. It is him I cling to, it's him I run to. He's Jehovah Rapha, which means he's the Lord, our healer. Maybe for some of you that have a disease or a sickness, he'll heal you in this lifetime. But maybe he won't. But I will promise you this, according to Revelation 21:4, Jehovah Rapha will heal you for eternity. It says there will, there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more crying, but there will be rejoicing. And so when you think about the struggle or the hurt or the pain that you're going through for a temporary perspective, he will take that away for eternity. He is Jehovah Rapha, the great healer. He's Jehovah Sabaoth. Which means he's the Lord of Hosts. to put it another way, he's the General of generals, of all the angelic armies in every army. I'm not worried about North Korea and Kim. I'm not worried about tourist attacks in London. I'm not worried about tourist attacks in Paris. I'm not worried My God's got it. He's batting a thousand. I've read the end of the book. I know who wins. And so the next time the enemy tries to remind you of your past, why don't you remind him of his future? He's the Lord Seboeth. He's the host, the Lord of hosts. He's the general of generals. He's in charge of these honors, and he's fighting on your behalf and mine. And he's got our back. Praise him for being Jehovah Sabaoth. He's Jehovah Shema. Jehovah Shema. What does that mean? It means the Lord is there. What does there mean? It means he's right here with us. He's right here at every single campus. He's right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's right here in Chicago, Illinois. He's there. He's in the midst of your trouble. He's in the midst of your divorce. He's in the midst of your death. He's in the midst of your pain. The Lord is here. Jehovah Shema. He's with you right where you're at. In the midst of your darkest days and your brightest days, the Lord is there. Where there. where there. He's with you right here, right now, today. And he'll be with you when you walk out those doors. Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. He's with you. He's Jehovah to Sid Canoe. Some of you think you got it figured out. You're getting there. Jehovah to Sid Canoe simply means the Lord is our righteousness or he is the righteous one. What a beautiful passage! That the Lord is our righteousness. And this is a righteousness that He imputed to us. It's nothing you did to earn it. It's nothing you did to deserve it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. There's nothing you can do to earn this righteousness, this grace, this forgiveness. It's unconditional, unwavering, never stopping. It was imputed to you by His death on the cross, by His blood shed for you. There's no past present or future sin of yours that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ, which is great news because that means it doesn't matter how you came in here today. Jesus didn't save you and say, now it's up to you. Live your life. Figure it out. No, he's saving you. He's rescuing you. He's your shepherd. He's Jehovah Tzidkin you. He's imputing his righteousness to you so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see all your junk. He sees the righteousness of Christ in you. That's a beautiful thing. So I told you I'd get back to my five-year-old. His name's Aiden West. Both my boys have significant biblical names. Anders, my younger two-and-a-half-year-old, is Anders. It's a Scandinavian name for strong and courageous. Joshua 1, 8, 9. Be strong and courageous. Don't let this book a lot depart from your mouth. Anders, Aidan... Aiden, Aiden West was named after Psalm 103:12. Psalm 103:12 says this: "As far as the east is from the west, so have I removed your transgressions from you." Let me tell you why this is amazing. The church. Let me just point to something. The psalmist here does not say, "As far as the north is from the south," does he? No, 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 he says as far as the east is from the west. Think about it. If, if I left here out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I started going north towards Canada, up to the Arctic, and wrapped around to Russia, eventually my north limit would stop, and I'd start going south. And if I started going south towards Russia, into China, and wrapping down to Antarctica and wrap around, I'd eventually go to north. So you see... North has its limits and South has its limits, but he didn't say as far as the North is from South. He said as far as the East is from the West. So if I leave Tulsa here, going West towards California, going West towards Hawaii, going West towards China, going West towards Africa, going West towards the Atlantic, going West towards America, going going West, going West, going West. And if I did the same thing, going East out the Carolinas, going East towards Africa and East towards India and East and East. So you see... There's no limit to East and there's no limit to West. What this means is that his grace and forgiveness for you knows no borders. It's limitless. And so I'll look at my five-year-old son. Maybe it's when he's 13. Maybe when it's 14. Maybe when it's 15. And I'll say, Aiden West, let me tell you why I named you that. And I hope it's not a prophetic of what he's going to live in. But I want you to know that as far as the east is from the west, Aiden West, so have your transgressions been removed by the cross and blood of Jesus Christ. That you don't have to try harder, that you don't have to build your name, that you don't. I tell him all the time, Aiden, do you know why daddy loves you? Why, daddy? Just because God gave it to me. Not anything you've done, not anything you've earned, not because you got a great grade, not because you hit a ball. The only reason daddy loves you is just because God gave you to me. That's why I love you. And that will never change and that's unconditional, right? I got a confession to make, pretty serious confession. I don't wear glasses. I never have. By God's grace, I'm 20, vision. So why am I wearing them? I think a lot of times it's real easy to play the church games. It's real easy to show up and go through the motions and talk about Jesus being our savior, but really being Lord of our life. I'm, I'm here to invite all of you this morning, whether you're watching at campus or sitting here in front of me, you don't, you don't, you don't have to live to the burden and the weight of what the world says you need to be. As a matter of fact, as I've just been praying through and thinking of people, right? So, so you got Mike and Lisa and Grant, Savannah, and Preston, Michelle. Kenny. Ashley. Riley. Hunter. Jim. Elisa. Joe. Stephanie. And the list goes on and on of your names on here. But you see we have the freedom to not worry about making our names great because when we step back and see the bigger picture it's his name that we still see it's his name that's above all names and will forever be exalted. It's his name to every knee will confess and every or every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. His name is above all names and will be echoed into the halls of eternity. I want to give you the freedom today church at to stop living for your name. Not that I don't think you're great, but it's the Jesus in you that makes you great. It's the Jesus in you that wants to use you for His kingdom and His glory forever and ever. It's the Jesus that lives inside of you for those of you that are regenerated believers that He wants to use to exalt His name. And maybe some of you have never surrendered to Him as being the Lord of your life. Maybe, maybe one time it was just a thoughtful prayer to get out of jail free card, but I'm telling you, Jesus wants to use you, He's given you gifts. He wants you to be able to know that your name is hidden with him. As Paul says, in Christ, your name is hidden with him in Christ. And the enemy can't snatch that away. I pray you'd all know this freedom. The freedom of having your name hidden with him in Christ. That he doesn't see your junk. He sees your Jesus when he looks at you. And so maybe you've never turned your life over to Jesus after this service. I'm going to invite you guys to meet with the pastor reception and pray and talk and download. Maybe some of you do have a relationship with Jesus, but you are so weary and heavy laden from trying to exalt your name and build your castles and build your kingdoms. You are worn out. And I'm telling you, this won't be a summer of a lifetime until you lay those at his feet, whom he says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. No name, but this name will give you true rest. Amen. You guys have been great. Pray with me. God, I thank you for rescuing an afflicted, prideful wonder like myself 17 years ago. I pray you continually use this lost sheep every day for your kingdom and your glory. I pray for the souls that are watching. I pray you'd enlighten the eyes of their heart to who you are. You're so much more than just a savior. But we do thank you for saving us. We do thank you for the cross. We do thank you that you look beyond our afflictions. We thank you that you've removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. We thank you that we don't have to walk in here with a facade and put on a mask. But you give us the freedom to come just as we are. We sure do love you. Thank you. Pray your words would penetrate deeply into the hearts and the minds of those that are listening. And that my words would fall on deaf ears. It is in the high and the holy and the powerful and the pure and the matchless and the mighty name above all names, Jesus, that we pray and all God's people say.